Look, I didn't want to be a half-blood. If you're reading this because you think you might be one, my advice is close this book right now. Believe whatever lie your mom and dad told you about. Welcome to Floor 600, a podcast where two friends read the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. We are your hosts, Natalie and Quinn. Read or listen to the book along with us, or just enjoy this recap slash amateur critique of the series by Rick Riordan. Riordan. Riordan? Riordan. Riordan. All right. <laughs> so, welcome to episode one, everybody. What, what? Woohoo! And <laughs> we are going to be diving straight in to chapters one through five today. Okay, so... I love the chapter titles. Oh, they're great. In this book. They're great. They're fabulous. I feel like it's so easy to just do like chapter one, chapter two. But no, like he uses the chapter titles as a way to like expand on Percy's sass and his personality, which I think is fabulous. I love chapter titles. I hate it when books like, I feel like more adult books don't have chapter titles anymore, yeah. which is just sad. He... Uh, knows how to name a chapter. Yes, he does. Sure. I I pro- I make I propose we just call him Rick. <gasps> That's a great proposition, Rick. We're buddies. We're we're casual friends. We're calling you by your first name. Yes. It's Hello, easy to Rick. Pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, starting at the beginning, chapter one. I accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. <laughs> I love how it's not even algebra. He's in, he's 12, so it's pre-algebra. I keep forgetting how young he is. Yeah. Oh my God, you're 12. Yeah. He seems like, I I feel like at times Percy seems very mature and at other times it's like, it's obviously he's still a child, Mm -hmm. but also the first five chapters are traumatic. So I don't blame him. (laughs) Okay. So it starts with Percy breaking the fourth wall, which is lovely. That's always fun. Yes. He kind of introduces the book and the story in general by saying, look, I didn't want to be a half-blood. That's a great way to start a series. It is. And at this point, we don't even know what a half-blood is. Exactly. So it's just like, ooh, what is it? What's a half-blood? I want to know, what are you? Are you a weird alien creature? No. No, he is not. It just doesn't set the reader up for success, which is interesting. This is like... It tells you to put it down. Which yeah. I love it when books and movies and anything does that. Like, stop watching this. Stop reading this. You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to know. So, Percy yeah. breaks the fourth wall. Yes. And so we get into the into the story. We learn that Percy attends Yancey Academy, which is a school for troubled youth, because he's been in and out of six schools in six years. schools. So he attends the school for a year, and then it's like, bye-bye, Percy. And there's a really hilarious kind of summary of things that he did wrong at the other schools. Mm-hmm. And one of them was accidentally firing a cannon at a school bus, which is hilarious. Yeah, like he has like terrible luck on field trips. And yeah. Like Bad things happen. So really, he should I just... I never had anything happen to me on field trips, so I don't <laughs> yeah. even know if I went on field trips. <laughs> <laughs> what, he, what Percy actually needs is just a note permanently excusing him from any and all field trips, and then maybe he would be able to yeah. last. Yeah, come on, Sally. So the class goes on a field trip 
to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to look at ancient Greek and Roman stuff. Because they are taking Latin in sixth grade. I yeah. never took Latin, ever. I did Latin when I was homeschooled. Oh. But it wasn't even offered in our school. I would have so, failed Latin so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it so hilarious that this is a school for troubled youth and they're teaching them Latin. It seems like a very fancy school. Yeah. I mean, it's still a boarding school in upstate New York, so it's not like it's just like... It's not like it's like, I don't know. Some bad school somewhere. <laughs> so... I don't know a name of a school that's bad. <laughs> I don't know. So, the class is looking at some ancient Greek and Roman stuff. And Mr. Brunner, the cool Latin teacher, is asking questions and telling about the stuff that they're looking at. And Percy's interested. He wants to know what he's talking about. But the other kids keep talking because they think it's boring. So... Mr. Brunner keeps asking Percy questions, and he's like, I can only accept the best from you, Percy. Uh, I don't, I honestly don't like Mr. Brunner. Why? I don't know, he just seems like he's horrible with children. Well, he talks down to Percy so much, and it's like, there's multiple points in these first few chapters that he just makes Percy feel like, Horrible. Yeah. Yeah, like when he says, you're not normal, Percy. And Percy says, thanks for pointing it out. And then he runs away. I feel so bad for him in that moment. But um, Percy does have... So a lot of the kids in Percy's class are annoying. But he has his friend Grover. He's Um, just cute. He's weirdly old. And Percy wonders... But he isn't old. He looks young, but he has weird... He's just the first to grow facial hair. Well, Percy wonders how... If he was held back. Oh, yeah. Because he has facial hair, and he all seems older. But he's is, isn't he smaller? Like isn't he shorter than everybody? Though? Well, he has a note is excusing him from PE for life because he has a muscular disease in his legs. There's also Mrs. Dodds, the really mean fifty-year-old math teacher who wears a leather jacket. Who honestly, like, if I had a math teacher who wore leather jackets all the time, I think she was pretty cool. I would too, and then it would turn out that she was an evil thing. And I'm yeah. Like, oh no. so mr runner tells percy that he must learn why greek history matters in real life okay tells that to a 12 year old and percy feels unfairly pushed because he has dyslexia and attention deficit disorder spoiler alert percy is he is a half-blood and he actually does need to know this stuff but runner asked percy this in front of the entire class which means it's sort of asking the entire class the same question. And he's all like, this is really important stuff you need to know for the rest of your life. When do they need this in the rest of their life? When do normal humans need to know, oh, well, Kronos ate his children and then threw them up. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, unless it's a question on Jeopardy, I don't think you need it in your everyday life. <laughs> yeah, but like... It might teach you some life lessons, like, don't be, But he's not really talking to the rest of the class. He's talking to Percy. But the rest of the class is present. But he can't just single out Percy. He can single out Percy. Percy Jackson, you are the only one who will need to know this for the rest of your life. Because something is happening. That's suspicious. That's suspicious. Yeah, so you want him to do that? No! But also, he should... Okay. 
I don't care if he's like a super undercover whatever. He <laughs> needs to be a good teacher and answer the question. It's a like he basically posed a hypothetical question and then didn't answer it. That's true. It's annoying. If I was in that class, I would have been like, no, it, wait, reverse. We need to talk about this. Why is this important? Yeah. I don't think any of the other kids were really listening. If I was in the class, I would have been listening, and I would need to know. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> the kids go outside to eat lunch. They're sitting on the steps, and Nancy Bobo Fit Who is, is a class bully. Yes, she's an awful person, and she is making fun of Grover, so Percy goes to Grover's defense, and he Percy pushes Nancy into the fountain. Pushes with quotation marks. Yes. He doesn't actually know what happened. No. Somehow. Somehow Nancy ends up in the fountain. So Mrs. Dodds, under the pretense of punishing Percy, manages to get him alone. And now something very interesting happens. Wait, reverse. When she's luring Percy away, you have a little glimpse of Mr. Brunner. Yeah. (laughs) And I just want to know. So Mr. Brunner, it does not notice that Percy is being led to his doom by Mrs. Dodds because he is reading a book. What is He's just so engrossed in his little novel. Doesn't remember or doesn't see Mrs. Dodds being evil. What is he reading? Is it like some yeah. like Fifty Shades of Grey something? Like he's really <laughs> into it? Like what is it? What is it? Yeah, and he's... Is he reading mythology? Like is he reading his own past? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking that too because I was like, isn't he supposed to be the one like watching over the children? He's a horrible watcher over. He is. <laughs> he's just over there so in his own world. And Mrs. Dodds is like magically like going up the stairs super fast. And Percy's like, okay, I guess I have to go. Mr. Brunner's just like, whatever. Mr. Brunner is the person there that can prevent all of this from going down. Yeah. He fails. Yeah. And then later, like, Grover's all sad because, oh, he didn't protect Percy. It's not his job. Exactly. It it is his job, but Mr. Brunner is there, and Mr. Brunner is the superior person there. Yeah. In charge. So, Mr. Brunner has, like, weird timing because... Mrs. Dodds starts saying, like, all this weird stuff to Percy, and Percy's like, what is going on? And then she turns into, quote, a shriveled hag with bat wings and claws and a mouth full of yellow teeth, at which Percy says, what is happening? (laughs) And then he's, like, obviously terrified. And then, of course, Mr. Brunner decides to show up now and tosses Percy a ballpoint pen and as soon as Percy catches the pen, it turns into a bronze sword, which he then uses to slice Mrs. Dodds, and she disappears. Question, how did Mr. Brunner get up all those stairs so quickly in his wheelchair? There's probably a ramp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the Metropolitan Museum of Art in Manhattan, New York City, is equipped <laughs> with that. I don't know. I have issues with Mr. Brunner. I see that. (laughs) So, boom, boom, boom. Mrs. Dodds is gone. She evaporates and sparks or whatever. Percy goes back outside and starts telling Grover and all the other students that Mrs. Dodds is gone. And everybody's like, who's Mrs. Dodds? We've never had a Mrs. Dodds. There hasn't been a pre-algebra teacher. You know, 
in 20 years. I don't know who you're talking about. And then Grover won't look at Percy. And he acts all weird about it, which is the only thing that makes Percy doubt that it wasn't real. Okay, also, also when they're all like, oh, who is Mr. and Mrs. Dodds? We have this teacher. So there is another teacher there. There's another substitute teacher or whatever. Or another uh, pre-algebra teacher. And I have a question. Does this mean that there was like a little creepy little magical pre-algebra teacher always there waiting? Or did she just show up? Like, did the mist, or the mist that we learned about later, produce her out of literal thin air? <laughs> or did they, like, just pick up one random walk passerby and then the mist, like, convinces them, you are now a pre-algebra teacher <laughs> the Yancey Academy for Troubled Children. And also all the students. Yeah. And all the teachers. Yeah, I don't know. I think she just shows up. some seriously magical stuff. It is, definitely. Yeah. It's actually a little frightening. We need to do, like, an in-depth study on it. Yeah. Just figure it out. We should. Um, How does it work? <laughs> I assume it's kind of just, like, muggles. They don't see nothing, do they? Like That, <laughs> that, was, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> like, not to uh, compare too much, but I, it's, like, that kind of thing where yeah. it's just, like, Oh, we need to be able to do things and also convince other people they're not happening. So yeah. here's this. Yeah, here's this magical thing. Yes. All right. But this is the end of chapter one. Yes. And on to chapter two. Three old ladies knit the socks of death. Again, one of the winning chapter titles named Go Rick. Go, Go Rick. Rick. I like Rick's chapter titles. Okay. So, Grover is the only thing that keeps Percy from completely forgetting Mrs. Dodds for the rest of the year. It's kind of like that group think thing. If everybody keeps saying something's not real, you're going to doubt yourself. Mm -hmm. And if they say that something is real, but you think it's not, you're still going to doubt yourself. But because Grover is being suspicious about saying it's not real, Percy has his doubts on whether it is. Because Grover is a horrible liar, apparently, which is very endearing. Mm -hmm. So we find out that the headmaster sends Sally Jackson, who is Percy's mom, a letter telling her that Percy will not be asked back to Yancey next year, I guess because of the field trip incident. Which honestly seems like it's a big leap, because all that happened was... He pushed a girl into a fountain. And not necessarily even pushed. Yeah, but like they would see it. Okay. They saw him pushed. pushing the girl in the fountain after yeah. defending. I don't know. It seems like an overreaction to expel yeah. a kid after that. Maybe they have something to do with it. Yeah. Um, and by they, I mean the powers that be in Percy's world. Um, so Percy is studying for the Latin exam, and he doesn't want to fail because he doesn't want to let Mr. Brunner down. So he goes to ask Mr. Brunner a question. And Which is good student. Yes. It is good student. I never and because I don't like asking questions. I don't either, but <laughs> especially in college, <laughs> that is very good studenting. Yes. Good job, Percy. Yes. And so Percy overhears Brenner and Grover talking about him, and they're saying things like they need to keep him safe, and he doesn't have much more time until the solstice and he has all these things that want to kill him, all these like cryptic things. And this whole thing was kind of like irks me because I have issues with the whole like ignorance is bliss thing with kids. Like there's always a kid who's 
surrounded by people who could prepare the child for their inevitable future, right? But the adults decide not to tell the child until it's absolutely like last second. And so the kid is like thrown headlong into whatever situation with absolutely no yeah. preparation when he could have been spending the last 12 years getting ready for what's coming. <laughs> and I get that, oh, he can't know about the monsters or else the monsters will know about him and they will attack more. But he can still, like, someone can be in there and be like, oh, the gym teacher really enjoys martial arts and teaches him a whole bunch of martial arts and he's all like, we'll never use this in real life. <laughs> but guess what? He uses it against monsters. Yeah. That would be pretty cool if he was, like, kung fu monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Percy Jackson, the <laughs> kung fu ninja. <laughs> Greek ninja. <laughs> yeah, so... Percy is in the hallway. He drops his book. And Which makes Grover and Mr. Brunner hear him. Yes. But I think it's suspicious because when, when uh, Percy is sort of overhearing their reaction to them hearing him, oh, it's sort of like in on, in on him and hearing him, yeah. hearing him, hearing him, whatever. He sees like an outline of a very large thing. Here's some clippy copies and sees a man with a bow and arrow. So that means Mr. Brunner went horse in the matter of a second. In the school. In school. With <laughs> humans all over the place. For being a person who is under, uh, uh, or a centaur, undercover, he's really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> he is kind of bad at it. Admittedly, it says specifically the hallway is dark, there aren't other teachers in the hallway, yeah. but still, like, you never know, because yeah. then he would have to get all the way back to his chair. Yeah. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't care. Maybe he, like, the mist will take care yeah. of it. Yeah. And it's also good foreshadowing. It is. He's good at that. <laughs> yes. So Percy goes back to their dorm room, the room he shares with Grover, and he's upset. He just studies his Latin and goes to bed. Um, but Percy and Grover ride the Greyhound bus back to the city to go home because it's summer. And on the way, Percy... This is post- Latin test where Percy yes. thinks he fails, but he does. <laughs> he does slightly less horrible than usual. Yeah. <laughs> because of his extra studying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, they're on the bus after the end of the school year. Percy confronts Grover about what he heard in the hallway. And he gives mm-hmm. Percy a business card that says Grover, keeper on it. And honestly, I love his. I love that he has business cards. <laughs> it's but funny. His like the address on it. You can't put that in a Google Maps and get you anywhere. It literally says like Half Blood Hill or something like that. Okay. Grover Underwood, Keeper, Half Blood Hill, Long Island, New York, eight zero 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 nine zero 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 nine. If you were Percy and you're like. I gotta go find Perk Grover. He's on Half Blood Hill. Go to a cab driver or whatever. However, he's planning on getting there. Take me to Half Blood Hill, New Jersey. And he'd be like, where? Where was it? It's a secret camp. It's a secret camp. How are you gonna get there? I think that's the point that Grover only would give the card. To but people how would he who get know. There? <laughs> I don't know. He wouldn't be able to get there. It's, it's like. Just, <laughs> It's, it's one of those, address. like, if you know, you know situations. But he doesn't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. But, 
But while they're on the bus, the bus breaks down and they get off the bus and they see the three old ladies knitting in a very menacing way. Yes, there are three old ladies across the street. One of them is holding a giant ball of yarn and the other two are knitting the world's most giant pair of socks. Okay. (laughs) Because they're knitting and Percy's like, that's kind of odd. Like, they're not selling stuff. They're just sitting there knitting. And Grover is like, whoa, because he sees them too and he's like, Get back on the bus. Get back on the bus. And Percy, of course, is not listening because Percy doesn't care. And he sees the lady in the middle plow, giant pair of scissors, and cut the yarn. And it seemed like the snick echoed and whatever. They could hear it from a long way off. And he, Percy says, she cut the yarn. And Grover flips out right after they, the lady cuts the yarn. The bus magically gets fixed again, and they get back on it, and they keep going home. Enter Chapter 3. Grover unexpectedly loses his pants. That's pretty unexpected. You go, Rick. (laughs) So they get to the Greyhound station in New York. Grover makes Percy promise that he will let him walk Percy home, but Grover has to go to the bathroom. So while Grover's in the bathroom, Percy takes off because he's annoyed. He just wants to go home. Yeah. So, he gets home, and we are introduced to his mother, Sally, and his horrible, awful stepfather. terrible. Rotten stepfather, Smelly Gabe. Yes. Gabe Ugliano. Yes. And he literally smells awful. And when Percy walks into the apartment, he's playing poker Mm -hmm. with his trashy friends. But his friend is actually more sympathetic toward Percy than... Gabe is. Yes. Because he's like, cut the kid a break. Yeah. But he doesn't actually act on his feelings. No. He just says it. Yeah. So I couldn't I wouldn't credit him with any anything other than (laughs) (laughs) he's not a horrible, horrible person, but he's still a horrible person. Yeah. True. So Sally comes home from work. And And Sally is a perfect human being. She is a wonderful human. And I love Percy's description of her. Because he's like, my mom is the greatest person I know. And it's so sweet. Because I feel like that trope of, like, children hating their parents is so overused. Mm -hmm. And this is just completely opposite of that. And I think that's awesome. Like, he does hate one of his parents. Well, step-parent. But... Gabe deserves to be hated. Gabe is awful. <gasps> Nobody likes Gabe. Sally hates Gabe. Yes. Um. So Sally is like talking to Percy, and Percy wants to tell her about Mrs. Dodds and the here overhearing about the kindly ones, but he doesn't. And so they go to their cabin on Long Island at Montauk yes. to spend some time away from Smelly Gabe and celebrate the fact that Percy's home. While there, Percy and Sally talk about Percy's dad. Who is he, this mysterious figure? I don't know. Who is lost at sea? Yes. Hint, hint. (laughs) Big hint. (laughs) So Percy discovers that his dad never actually met him, and this is really confusing to Percy because he has memories of his dad. Well, one memory. One memory, yeah. It's just kind of a vague glow in, like, his face, and that's the only memory. But he's like, how could I have that at all if I never met my dad? So they are talking about school, and Percy feels really bad because he messed up again. He got expelled again. 
And Sally mentions that Percy's dad wanted to send Percy to a special summer camp, but it might mean saying goodbye to Percy for good, which is why Sally has not sent him there yet. Which seems weird, because, I don't know, never mind. What kind of summer camp lasts all year? It should, mm, they shouldn't call it a summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> they honestly shouldn't, because students are allowed to stay there all year round if they need to. Yeah. So is it really summer camp, or is it like... I alternate like home. Like, <laughs> like, there is an academy around here that does, like, it has a summer camp program where mm-hmm. basically all of their full year students go to, but also just random kids can go to the summer camp. Oh, it's just like year round school. Yeah, but during the summer portion, they don't do school work, they do. We're going to learn how to vote because we're fancy rich people. Ah, I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's so, an academy. So really, it could be called Half-Blood Academy. Academy. Ooh, that sounds <laughs> so much better. <laughs> and then it alludes to, like, actual learning going on. Ah, yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so after talking with his mom, Percy goes to sleep, and he dreams about a horse and a hawk fighting on the beach does this mean anything dun 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 we will find out so he hears the horse hooves and then that turns into Grover (laughs) so he wakes up Grover's there but there's something different about him what's going on he lost his pants he lost his pants Grover tells Sally it's right behind me and Percy looks at Grover and he realizes Grover's pants are furry. Wait. He smells like a barnyard. Because it's raining outside. But wait, his pants aren't furry. He has hooves. He's not wearing any pants. He just has furry legs and hooves. He's a satyr. And Percy's all kind of freaked out. But he doesn't know that that's the name. So he's all like, you're yeah. a donkey man. He doesn't know yet. He calls him a donkey and Grover gets mad. And then per- Grover says, Percy, you didn't tell her about the field trip? And Percy's like, no, you told me it didn't happen or whatever. (laughs) He's like, you spent the whole rest of the semester telling me that was not real. And now you expect me to tell my mom. Yeah. So Sally's like, what happened? And Grover explains really fast. And then she's like, we have to go. Because they're getting chased by something. And chapter four. My mother teaches me bullfighting. It's not as exciting as the other chapter titles, but it's still (laughs) exciting. So... Hooray. That's pretty exciting. Three stars. Three stars? Out of five. Okay. So. (laughs) You're going to be waiting. (laughs) Yeah. So they jump in Gabe's Camaro, which he made them promise not a scratch. So they take off at full speed from the cabin. Something is clearly chasing them. Grover keeps looking over his shoulder. So like Grover and Sally are preoccupied. 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 Preoccupied with what's chasing him and chasing them and Percy is just like, What are you, Grover? And I don't like that because he literally asks, like, Hey Grover, my butt's bud, what are you? What's up with your feet? And Grover's like, We don't have time now and then they waste like a page and a half explaining it. <laughs> and it's like it's literally a one word answer. And he fights back and forth with We don't have time. Tell me, we don't have time. Are you a donkey? How dare you? Yeah, and, and he makes like, like a bleeding sound. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it, it really could have just been like, what are you? Oh, I'm a satyr. We'll get into it later. Boom. Next. You made a rhyme. 
What? You said, I'm a satyr. We'll get into it later. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of one of those moments where it's like, what do you have to do other than tell Percy what's going yeah. on? It's in more You're of that driving. just like... Sally's driving. Yeah. And doing a hell of a job of it. She is. Pedal to the metal. Yeah. And Grover, it's like one of those things that's just like keeping Percy in the dark for a little bit longer and it's kind of unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So they're driving, it's storming. Um, Percy can see the shape like of the thing that's chasing them. So Sally crashes. It's like some guy like running with his arms in the air. (laughs) So Sally crashes the car into a ditch. I thought it was struck by lightning. Yes, it is. The car gets struck by lightning way, and crashes into a ditch. <laughs> and there's like a burning hole in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Percy looks back and he can see the beast that looks like a football player sized man carrying a blanket over his head. And his arms waving in the air. Yes. Which sounds absurd. <laughs> and then uh, Grover was knocked out in the crash. So, there's that extra baggage. Literally. <laughs> so Sally is like, Percy, go run up the hill. And Percy's like, A, I'm not leaving you. B, help me carry Grover up the hill. So they start to carry Grover up the hill. But the beast catches up to them. But he's slow because he doesn't have good eyesight or hearing. So he goes mostly off smell, but it's raining. So he can't smell them as well. Mm-hmm. And so Percy. Sally is all like, split up. Wah. Right. And then Percy gets a better view of the beast, and he realizes it's half bull with giant horns on top. And those aren't arms moving over his head. Nope. They're horns. It's not a furry blanket. It's just fur. They're fighting. They... Sally disappears in a bunch of yellow stone sparks, which is very upsetting. Yes. She is an amazing person. She is really cool. R.I.P. The Minotaur. It's a Minotaur. Oh, yeah. And Sally, it just grabs Sally and she disappears. Smushes her into sparkles. Yep. So, of course, Percy's heartbroken, but he's like, okay, I can't. Can't let this monster kill Grover, too. So he's fighting the Minotaur. He gets on top of it somehow, (laughs) breaks off its horn. The Minotaur. with the horn. Yes, but before he stabs it, it throws him off and Percy hits his head. And then he stabs it. Yeah. It's like um, um, uh, Harry with the basil. Harry Potter with the basil. <laughs> yeah. Like he <laughs> stabs it with its own tooth. Exactly. Like and then the, the Minotaur's like, and then it disappears. Kind of like Sally. Dust. But Into it's sad. Dust. Not sparkles. So it's yeah. like this is dust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Percy picks Grover up. Carries him over the crest of the hill. And immediately and passes out. <laughs> gets down to the farmhouse on the other side of the hill and collapses. Yes. Um, Chapter 5. Okay. I play Pinochle with a horse. Okay. How many stars is that? That's like a solid two. Yeah. It's kind of boring. It is. Considering, Considering when I was 12, Pinochle. I had no idea what Pinochle was. I did know what Pinochle was, but it was a game that my grandma played. I thought it was pron- pronounced... Pinocchio or something like that. <laughs> I was like, what is this word? Well, from what I know, I, I have never played Pinocchio, but from what little I know about Pinocchio, it's sort of like euchre. Ah. <laughs> but it's like a double euchre deck, and instead of playing with a team member, like you're not partners, you're playing all solo. Oh. But 
that's from what little knowledge I have. I tried to ask my mom and dad, who are big into pinochle and yogurt, and it just became a 30-minute conversation about pinochle that I was not prepared for and was lost throughout. So I still don't know what pinochle is. <laughs> and I'm going to stick with my definition, which is a weird thing of yogurt. <laughs> anyway, that's just the chapter title. What's yes. the chapter about, Natalie? I'll tell ya. <laughs> so Percy hits his head um, fighting the Minotaur in that he has a concussion and that is why he's out for like the next two days. And he has glimpses of a blonde girl asking him vague and ominous questions like, what's happening at the summer solstice? And he's like in and out of consciousness, so he has no idea, obviously. Yeah, that's and, crazy. If I was yeah. 12 years old and being asked about the summer solstice, I would be like, when is the summer solstice? <laughs> is solstice really a real word? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so he wakes up in a deck chair, deck chair on the deck of the farmhouse, and he sees... I know. I just imagine somebody picking up an unconscious boy and moving him from bed into a deck chair. Why? What was wrong with bed? (laughs) What was? They needed. He needed some sunlight. They just wanted to wake him up. I guess. I guess. I don't know. It just. I don't know. That's a mystery to me too. But what? What is wrong with him being in bed? I don't understand. So weird. So he wakes up in the deck chair, mysteriously got there. Grover is leaning against the deck railing, and he helps Percy drink ambrosia, which is a drink that heals all maladies. But if you drink too much of it, you die. And what does the drink taste like? It tastes like chocolate chip cookies, the blue chocolate chip cookies that Sally makes. I'm sorry, if I took a drink and it tasted like a solid food... I would spit it out. What am I drinking? Well, he is alarmed because he expects it to taste like apple juice and it doesn't. I have tasted many things in my life. And when it does not taste remotely like what I am tasting, what I expect, I normally sort of take a pause, spit it out a bit, and look at it again. And then I'll take another sip. (laughs) I do not go, "Mm mm-hmm, and drink the whole thing. Well, he pauses for a second and then keeps drinking it. But I wonder if it tastes like, does it taste like the food that you most want? Because it doesn't really specify. Or maybe just like what your favorite food in the world is. So does yeah. that mean it could be like savory? Yeah, it could taste like tacos. Or like cheese. Pizza. <laughs> or, I don't know, capers. Don't yeah. Know. <laughs> it can taste like a noodle dish. Yeah. <laughs> just like depending, but I guess Grover can't drink it because it's a drink of the gods. Because yeah, he so just kind of like half like at least a little bit immortal in you. Yeah, so he just kind of longingly asks Percy what it tastes like. Just sad. And I think it's all like defensive when Percy's like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't offer you any. Well, okay, Kat. Well, he doesn't know. I know. And then but Grover's like, oh, no, no, I never would have presumed to ask. Oh. <laughs> and Percy's like, okay. It, it's a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Percy's still having no freaking clue what's going on. So... Grover gives Percy a shoebox with the Minotaur horn in it. And he's like, it's pretty incredible that you are even alive, honestly. But that confirms Percy's greatest fear that Sally is, in fact, gone. Yes. R.I.P. Sparkles. It's very sad. So Grover takes Percy to meet Mr. Brunner and Mr. D. And Mr. D is an interesting person. He's a very angry, small man. 
wearing a tiger-striped Hawaiian shirt, and he immediately says, ah, good, we'll have four for Pinochle. <laughs> and Percy's like, what is Pinochle? Yeah, but he just assumes that you know Pinochle. But he's really mean. He just makes a lot of comments about how Percy knows nothing, and he doesn't know how to play Pinochle, and he's such a failure. It's just really sad. And Percy's like, I don't even know where I am. They explain that this is Camp Half-Blood. And that still doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to Percy. And Percy refers to Mr. Brunner as Mr. Brunner. And then Mr. Brunner reveals that his name is actually Chiron. Because he is not oh, usually... Man. Yeah. He's a centaur. Yeah, exactly. He's a centaur. And he's not really... He's not actually a Latin teacher. Which is kind of a bummer, honestly. I, it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's a bad teacher. He is He is a bad teacher. There's no <laughs> question about it. Considering all the amount of time he's been alive, he should have, be a good teacher. Yeah, he could, he could be no better. No wonder so many of his students have died. Yes, I can say that because I'm a mean person. Aww. <laughs> so they, he also meets Annabeth Chase, who is there for a minute. And um, you gotta love the first thing she says. Yes. She glanced in the minotaur horn in my hands, then back at me. I imagine she was going to say, you killed a minotaur? Or, wow, you're so awesome, or something like that. Instead, she said, you drool when you sleep. Then she runs away. <laughs> so I thought one of the most important things um, in these chapters is when they finally start to tell Percy what the heck is happening and what is going on. So it's on page 67 of my copy. I would imagine oh, most wait, copies... Oh, wait, wait, Before we get there, I really want to talk about the power of a nude. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Because that happens before that. And yeah. it's a reoccurring theme, like, throughout the books. So they're like, don't say the name of the thing. And I feel like that's a big thing in a lot of... Like, well, I'm going to compare it to Harry Potter again, because okay. I can cite a thing. <laughs> um... <laughs> Like, uh, what's it? Like, the fear of a name is the fear of itself. Uh, fear, fear of the name only increases fear of the thing itself. Yeah. And, okay, so that's a big thing in Harry Potter. Like, don't say, or you have to say Voldemort because if you don't say it, it gives more power to um, Voldemort. But then at the end, it's all like, when you say Voldemort, it's a sort of a signal to Voldemort. And I wonder if it's sort of something like that in with the gods because Mr. D's all like don't say my name right or like don't say the names of Zeus or whatever yeah because every time somebody says Zeus's name you hear the thunder in the sky rumbling through yes and then this is later but like uh this is later but he keeps saying like he always calls Percy by the wrong name and I wonder if that's sort of him saying like you have power too like, is that Mr. D, this sort of crabby old man? Or is saying, it his way of making Percy feel worse because he can't get his name right? Oh, that's true. Yes, but but when he does, like, I feel like, I don't know. It's not like we've read, he has never said his actual name. But I wonder if when he does say Percy Jackson instead of Perry Johansson or whatever, <laughs> he, it, Percy's all like, oh, I feel special now. Like, yeah, because he doesn't actually say his name right until right after, like at the end of the book, right? Yeah, I maybe that? maybe even out of after this book. Like I feel yeah. like it takes a few books. So you think? Are you saying like he's taking Percy's power away by saying his name wrong, or maybe recognizing that he does have power? 
more and doesn't want to give him more. Yeah, doesn't want to, like, acknowledge that. Yeah. So then by the end, when he does say Percy Jackson, he's sort of acknowledging that. Yeah. Okay, you, you're of an equal, you know. Maybe not equal, not equal but <laughs> you're less scum on the earth now, Perseus yeah. Jackson. Instead of the gum under my shoe, you are the... <laughs> gum I'm chewing. Yeah, the gum I'm chewing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's a big point, too. And so I think we should follow what Mr. D calls Perseus throughout the books. Mm-hmm. And throughout this book, especially. Yeah. Let's see if things change, if it... I don't know how Percy reacts. Yeah, and then kind of in that same vein, like Mr. Brenner telling Percy his real name is like it's a, a definitely it's just like a huge like symbolic transition from where we were to where we are now. Yeah, because Percy still is a clueless child, but he's learning a little bit more. Yeah, he's getting a few more clues. Okay, so back to page sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. Yes. Um. Chiron tells Percy that gods, plural, are very much alive. The gods are real. Percy's like, okay, yeah, right, whatever, haha. I like the whole god versus gods. Exactly. Little, like, two-sentence thing. Because so, Percy says, wait, I told Chiron, you're telling me there's such a thing as god with a capital G. And Chiron says, well, now, god, capital G god, that's a different matter altogether. We shan't deal with the metaphysical. And it's just like, the, it's crazy that like that's the distinction. Yeah. Because God, capital G, is like Christians believe, is like just this metaphysical, aerial thing, person. Mm-hmm. And then the gods are like, no. They These are, are physical beings. They're here. They're now. I don't know. So it makes me wonder if the gods have a god. <laughs> do the gods have gods? I think they're all too selfish and self-centered. They only worship themselves. Yes, I don't think I think they've been alive too long and been through too much whack, whack stuff. To but they know that there was that. stuff before them. Like there was so before the gods, there was the Titans, and before the Titans, there was Gaia and Uranus. Sure. Yeah, they're like sky god, earth god. Oh, okay, and I see. Before that, there was nothing. So, what created them? Yeah, I don't know. So, I feel like they have questions. Like, or yeah. at least they should. I can see that. <laughs> I can see them having questions, but I can also see Zeus being like, I am a five billion years old. Yeah. What matters more than me in this moment? Yeah. Nothing. I, the gods are probably very stuff. So, but, <laughs> okay. So the, there's probably one child of Athena who's writing a 5,000 page thesis <laughs> on whether or not God exists. <laughs> That's true. That's probably true. I just thought this was, like, it's, a, it's an important distinction for the series to build off of, but it's also really deep for a children's book. Yes. And it isn't like they focus on it very much. No. It's literally, like, three sentences. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is God real? We don't deal with that. Yeah. And it's like, I think it was important for him to do that. Yeah. To set up the series. Because if people were like, oh, well, what about God? Well, gee, God, you know, it would distract from the Greek gods. Distract from the here and now. Right. And I like also how he, he tells Percy that the gods travel with what do they call it? Like the, the spirit of the west. 
Yeah, the spirit of the West. I like that too because they say that he the Olympus has moved many times. It's all like, oh, it's been. Why can't I find this in my book? I can't find it either. Oh, here it is. On my ah. copy, it's seventy three. Uh, so he says that it was in. Uh, it's like oh, the god simply moved to Germany, to France, to Spain for a while. Wherever the flame was brightest, the gods were there. They spent several several centuries in England. All you need to do is look at architecture. Um, but now the gods are in the United States. So my question is, when did they come to the United States? Yeah, I don't know. Because did they come in like 1776 when like they became or we became a country, or did they become before that? And then, if so, if they came before. Like 1929 or whenever the Empire State Building became a thing, where was Olympus in the United States? Yeah, I would, I would imagine that they would have come after, well after, like the American Revolution and the end of yeah. Declaration of Independence and all that, because at that time we weren't that powerful. Yeah. So if they were still following the so, power and the spark, they would have been somewhere else. So maybe post like War of 1812 because that was the second time that America defeated defeated in quotation marks because it was a weak defeat um, <laughs> Britain. Uh, so maybe then because I think in one of the later I think in the Heroes of Olympics series there they talk about the gods being during the Civil War mm-hmm. and being active during the Civil War, so that's eighteen sixties. Okay. So I can believe that it's not seventeen hundreds, but I can't believe that we showed up just in time for the Civil War. <laughs> so <laughs> <Right>. when? <laughs> yeah, like maybe they caused the Civil War, but. I like also when Chiron says, oh, different names perhaps, Jupiter for Jupiter for Zeus, Venus for Aphrodite, and so on, but the same forces, the same gods, because it would be kind of silly if you just, like, never acknowledge that they have different names, you know? Yeah. You're like, it's a whole part of their lives, the gods' lives, that you're not even talking about. Mm-hmm. It would be weird. And we're not on that series yet, but yeah, it becomes a whole series, the yeah. conflict between the names. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so that would be fun. More to come. Um, so Percy is like, what is happening? And then Mr. D is revealed to be Dionysus. Got it. Dionysus. 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 Oh, man. I know. It's spelled like a crazy person. But <laughs> so pronunciation Dionysus. is not going to be a thing here. If we annoy you with our pronunciation... You're sorry. I'm talking directly to the microphone. I apologize. I'm not actually sorry because I'm going to say it the way I say it, but I'm sorry if I annoy you. I am going to tell you right now, I'm going to pronounce some things like I did when I was 12 when I first read this. Yes. So, Hephaestus might come out hepatitis sometimes. I don't know. I have read a lot of names, and I just remember yeah. H E P hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> but why was hepatitis easier for you to say when you were thirteen than hepatitis? Well, I didn't want to put an F sound with the PH. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Di- Dionysus. 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 Oh, I watched man. a few documentaries. It's okay. Dionysus. <laughs> Dionysus is the god of wine, theater, fertility, and ritual madness. 
which is just so fun. And <laughs> he's angry all the time because he got grounded to Camp Half-Blood and he mm-hmm. hates children. I love it when he like summons the glass of wine. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I know, I know. And he turns it back into like Diet Coke. Yeah. Aw. And Mr. D's father is Zeus. Yes. So... Every we time. learn about that in the chapter. I think yes. later we're going to go into more detail on the origin of Dionysus and a few of the, mon- and the monsters that we meet. But, yes. <laughs> in the chapter itself, we learn that Zeus is his father. Yeah. And that so. he's been punished for being a naughty boy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Percy, again, being observant, smart boy that he is, um, notices that Grover is like a li- seems a little afraid of Mr. D. So, at like after all this talking happens, Mr. D leaves with Grover to talk about Grover's failure as a keeper. And that's sad. It is sad. We really don't really fault. know why he failed the first time, and really he didn't fail the second time. I know he got Percy. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I do not think the gods give a hoot about mortal beings. So mm-hmm. they would not care about Sally, unfortunately. Sally, rest in peace, rest well, in sparkles. Maybe uh, Percy's dad would care about her, but that's the extent. Okay, so one of <laughs> twelve. <laughs> yeah, so like I don't really know how he failed in this quest. I guess maybe because he did not bring Percy over the water or over the border. Percy yeah, Percy carried him. Over. So that might be his failure. Mm-hmm. Good point. And he didn't save Sally. Yeah. But again, gods don't care about mortals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Chiron wants to take Percy to get his bunk in cabin 11. He knows Percy's tired. He wants to get settled in. And he stands up and reveals that he is a centaur. What? What? Nay. And I put... Quote, this is in my notes. The wheelchair is just a disguise for being dope. <laughs> but does the disguise his lack of, like, teacher skills? No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's why people go to school for that. So poor Percy has no idea what's going on still. He's just really overwhelmed and he has a concussion. So Percy's like, wah! And then the chapter ends, basically. The end. Of chapter five. Boom! So that is the end of our sort of... Section. That is our, at the end of that section of our analysis of one through five. But we're going to talk about the monsters and the gods now. Time for Bring on the Monsters. So the first monster that we meet is... Natalie. Mrs. Dodds! And do we know what she is? She's a fury. Yes, she's referred to as the kindly one. So, specifically, she is the fury Electo, the angry. Electo. So, furies are the... So, there are three furies. They are spirits of vengeance who serve the god of Hades and are his torturers in the underworld and punish the crimes of the wicked. So the specific fury that we meet is the uh, uh, is Electro, the angry, and she is sort of normally always depicted as the head fury, the main fury. She has like actual stories on her, and in the stories you can see her specifically in the Aeneid, Aeneid, which is the uh, Roman version of the um. Odyssey and the Iliad. 
But basically Hera sends Electo to the Trojans to cause the Trojans to go to war with the Greeks with the hope that the Trojans will die. I, I really, really like death in mythology. They, well, basically, she just wants to start a war. Um, at the end, like, Electro does one hell of a job. She, she gets everybody to hate everybody in Troy and wants to do some more. And Hera's all like, you're taking too long, lady. And kicks her out and Hera's all like, she literally says, if you want to start a war, you got to do it yourself. She doesn't literally say it, but... That's paraphrasing. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Acceptable. Yes, but she is a very scary, scary lady. And yes. all of her, or Hera, as well as Electo. And Electo's sisters are as well scary. But we don't meet her sisters in this, and maybe some other time we will meet her, them, and I will tell you more about them. But. So, next. The yeah. Three Fates. The Three Fates. I wasn't sure whether or not to crown, uh, cl- categorize these guys as gods or monsters but because they're sort of evil in this sense they're sort of sent to torment mm-hmm. Percy and Grover uh, I determined them to be monsters and they are the three little old ladies they at the bus yes. stop snip snip uh, so the fates are the three or are three goddesses who determine human destinies and in particularly in particular particular the span of a person's life and the allotment of misery and suffering. Woohoo! So they got a lot to do on their hands with yeah. their little string. The three fates were normally personified as three very old women who spin the threads of human destiny. Uh, their names were Clotho, Clotho, the spinner, Lachesis, 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 the allotter. I like that title. Uh, and the Atropo. 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 (laughs) The inflexible. So, Clotho spun the thread of human fate, Lachesis dispensed it, and Atropo cut the thread. And when the thread was cut, it determined the individual's moment of death. Which is why it's so terrifying that Percy sees the thread be cut. Yes. Does that mean that Thread was Percy's lifespan, or was it Sally's, or was it just his, if it was Percy's lifespan? That's some big socks. Yeah. It means long life. It's a long stre- string. Hooray. Right. It wasn't actually that threatening. It's all like, you shall die at the ripe age of 98. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the mystery is what makes it so scary. Yes. And the third and final monster that we meet is... The Minotaur. <gasps> oh my god! Bum, bum, bum! What is the Minotaur, you ask? Well, he is a monster of Crete that has the body of a man and the head of a bull. Sounds terrifying. Yeah. I think I would probably throw up if I saw it. <laughs> like, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Snow cover, cover, 
the snow white bull sent to Minos by the god Poseidon for yes. sacrifice. So the Minotaur was the child of Pasiphae, wife of Minos, and the snow white bull sent to Minos by the god Poseidon as for a sacrifice. But Minos, being a rebellious sort of dude, I guess, did not sacrifice the bull and kept him alive. Poseidon did not like this, and as a result, he made Pasiphae fall in love with it. That's how he would. This is the creation of a half-bull, half-human. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't want to meet any of these people. Uh, no. <laughs> no. They seem like horrible human beings slash gods. Not making me feel hopeful about the rest of Percy's slash, life. Imagine the bull. Was the bull a willing participant? Well, I was about to get real into anatomy, and I think that that would go beyond PG-13, so I'm not going to do that. Okay, but as the result of this this love child was the Minotaur, uh, Minos was pretty freaked out by the Minotaur being present and being there, um, and so he put it into his labyrinth. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Later... Uh, Minos, Minos had one of his sons, who was actually a son of Pasiphae and Minos. He was killed, uh, and he was killed by the Athenians. So to avenge his death, Minos like made a treaty type thing that demanded that seven Athenian young men and seven Athenian young women would be sent every ninth year. And these poor 14 people would be put into the labyrinth and devoured by the Minotaur. Uh, but then when the third sacrifice came, the Athenian hero Theseus volunteered to go into the labyrinth, that crazy fella. And he, with the help of Arabne, uh, the daughter of Minos and Pasiphae, he killed the monster and ended the tribute. <laughs> for this story, I feel sort of bad for the Minotaur. Yeah, it was never his fault. Yeah, he was just a really, really messed up kid. I remember reading that story when I was little, like, <clears throat> in, like, middle school. And I was like, this is such a sad story. Yeah. Because I'm going to guess that Pasiphae did not want to have a child with a bull. Probably not. Until. She was bewitched. Yes. And it, I felt most bad for the 14 people who were sent every however often. Because I imagine the labyrinth is a very dark, creepy place, and then you just hear a minotaur going, Whoa. Yeah. So you're just stumbling around in the dark, and then all of a sudden, something's eating you. Yeah. Ugh. Well, if the bull has a, it's the head of a bull, bulls are omnivores. Not omnivores, they're herbivores, aren't they? They eat, like, grass and things. They're, it's a cow. So he's not even eating, so he just rams them, and then yeah. they suffer until they it's die. It's like bullfighting. Oh, God. Oh, lay! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. That no. sounds awful. Yeah. Now it's time for... Oh, my gods! Alternatively... Oh, my gods! <laughs> okay, so... We're not. We're gonna basically just talk about the gods or the creatures and beings that are on the good side? Question mark. Sort of not bad side. Not trying to kill Percy at the moment. 
Um, because I wouldn't say any of these gods are all good or all bad. Yeah, they're um, very fluid creatures. Yes. So we're starting with Chiron because he's sort of the first good guy we meet. Uh, Chiron is, of course, a centaur. Nay! So Chiron is one of the centaurs, but he is sort of the centaur. The head honcho. <laughs> so he is the, actually the son of Kronos, as we learned in the book. But because he was the son of Kronos, he was immortal. So he's son of Kronos and the Cenith, and but unlike son, uh, unlike the other centaurs who were violent, savage beast. Um, he was famous for his wisdom and knowledge of medicine, and he used this wisdom and knowledge of medicine to train many Greek heroes. I don't know if he did a good job because many <laughs> of them died, but he trained Hercules or Heracles, depending on how you want to pronounce it or how you want to spell it. Uh, Achilles and Jason and... Slepius. I'm not even going to say it. So, and Jason, <laughs> period, end of sentence. <laughs> um, so he taught all those guys sometimes that went well sometimes it didn't as Chiron was reading the the, the vase in chapter 1 uh, when he was all like oh it's a funeral vase and this girl died it sounded like and Percy's all like it's almost like he knew him maybe or knew her maybe he did know her yeah and he did a bad job once again <laughs> and she died Poor Chiron. Mm-hmm. He needs to, like, Who trusts Chiron with their children, man? The gods. I guess. <laughs> so the other big god that we talked to today, or talked about, talked to, let's say talked to, because we talked about him. Percy talks to him. Yeah. Okay, it's Mr. D, a.k.a. Dionysus. Okay, so Dionysus is the god of everything fun, I guess. He's also the god of, like, a lot of crazy stuff. So we talked a little bit about him, but he is, so is the god of grapes, of wine, fertility, ritual madness, and of course, don't forget, feeder. Uh, Dionysus has a ton of different myths, and it really goes myth to myth um, on whether or not the mortals that he interacts with survive um <laughs> everybody's like oh shoot it's Dionysus yeah and Run. it really depends on your point of view on whether this is a good thing or a bad thing like were the mortals in the wrong or was Dionysus just overreacting I'm gonna say he's overreacting because I don't think you oh this man yelled at me I shall have his brain I shall have I, I shall have his mother tear him apart limb from limb yeah um <laughs> But, so he's a very good god to say on the good side of. Yes. Like, you should try with all the gods. Stay on their good <laughs> side. Don't anger any of the gods. Trust me. Bad <laughs> things happen. Yes. So, the most common origin story, we're going to talk a bit about where Dionysus come from, because we learned that Zeus is his father. So, Zeus, as I said, is his father. His mother is a human princess, Semele. Zeus seduced and impregnated her, and then Hera got very angry, because Hera is a very jealous goddess, because she is the goddess of marriage, and she has the unfortunate predicament of having a husband who likes to have affairs. A.K.A. Zeus. Yes. So, Hera went into 
uh, of disguise, and she disguised herself as a little lady who had a Simile had a lot of trust in, and told Simile, "Oh, you should get Zeus to show you his true God's nature, God's self, because what if this is just a mortal man and you're knocked up mm-hmm. with some stranger's baby? That would be bad." So Semele gets all freaked out, and she demands Zeus to show, reveal himself. And Zeus all like, that's a bad idea. But she's like, I demand it, or else I shall refuse you my bed. And he's all like, uh-oh. He's like, all right, you've stepped up the game. I will show you. And she showed him, or he showed him, her, and she died. Because that's how it goes. Don't look at a god. But according to other myths, it wasn't she died immediately. She, uh, in another myth, uh, her house caught fire mm. and she had time to give birth to Dionysus, who was a very premature baby. But let's say she was just incinerated. In my mind, I like to think she sees him, she's incinerated, and then just a very premature baby is left on the ground going, like, what is happening? Yeah, and, Di- uh, and Zeus is all freaking out because he doesn't want Dionysus to die. He's all like, "I like kids. I wouldn't say he's a good father, but he, <laughs> he wants to be a father." So he so uh, he cuts open his thigh, puts Dionysus into his thigh, sews it back up, carries Dionysus to full term. Dionysus is birthed once again. And this is interesting because now Dionysus is the twice born. Lit. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also interesting because sometimes people are like, oh, Zeus is his mother as well as his father. Um, because he came out of Zeus as well. It's interesting. Weird. It's weird. But as the twice born god, he was often portrayed as the god who crossed the boundary between the civilized and the uncivilized and the known and the unknown and the. Uh, and sometimes even the male and the female. And he was re- he represented the uh, he was a god of chaos as well as a god a protector of misfits. So we're probably gonna have to talk more about Dionysus because he is a main character. And we'll probably learn more about his mythology as we go along in the yeah. series. But we're starting with the origin. So Yeah, he's such an interesting character. He really is. I had to read um a Roman myth version of him for one of my classes a few years ago. And it's intense. He was very intense. He was a fun guy, but a scary guy. Yeah. Like, snap your fingers, you're barking like a dog. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because he's the god of chaos and the protector of misfits. And I'm sure that's chaotic at camp. And... The children who are there are misfits in the rest of the world. So yeah. he kind of fits. Yeah. So he was exiled there, but he still belongs there. Yeah. Even though he's unhappy about it and hates mm-hmm. children. Like, he probably fits there better than any of the other guys. Yeah. And this brings us to our last section, Quest Query, where <gasps> we ask any questions we didn't already address of our story sections that we talked about. And at this section, we're going to try and answer the questions that we ask, but also once we get it all set up, you can try and answer the questions. Yeah, we'd love to hear your theories and 
backstory ideas and whatever else you want to share. So my first question was, uh, going all the way back to the ignorance is the child's bliss situation, uh, are there any child hero stories where the child isn't completely ignorant of what's going on? And in recent developments, I thought of the Wonder Woman movie with Gal Gadot, because she doesn't know what the outside world is like per se, but she knows that she's a warrior and she knows that yeah. she's going to have to take control eventually because she has her Amazon friend who trains her behind her mother's back. So it's not yeah, like completely... Yeah, she doesn't know that she is the what's the ultimate weapon or whatever yeah. the thing that can kill the god or whatever, the god killer, the god yeah. slayer. But she's still this trained to be able to do so. Yeah. Because her friend doesn't want her to be caught completely unawares when the day comes. And, like, flip side of that, her mom still does, but... Yeah. But I think her mom is eventually convinced that, oh, yeah, we are fighting warriors. You should probably know how to fight. Yeah. Um, I couldn't think of any other stories like that. I don't know. I was trying to... Because you, you had this up there, and I was trying to think about it. And I can't think of one. Mm -mm. So reach out to us. Tell us. Ooh, Artemis Fowl. I never read those. I read the first book. He knows what's going on. Yeah. Like straight from the beginning. Pretty sure. It's been a long time. But I'm pretty sure he knows. He's like in charge. Maybe series of unfortunate events. Because they don't know what's happening at all. And throughout those series, because everything's a mystery. I've That's been, true. <laughs> um, but they are at least given the skills by their parents. They're sort of like... Encouraged to learn. Yeah. And grow. Okay, so I had a question, which was... So Grover is at Yancey Academy. Yes. Which is Yancey's Academy. It's a school for rebellious children. Yes. What is his backstory? Like, do you have to have like a questionnaire when you enter you like, all right what horrible things have you done to you in your former school former school so it was like grover like ah uh, yeah i tried to steal things steal cans to eat like, them yeah what was what was it you know, like what was his backstory was he like a rebellious nerd because i'm sorry i can't see he's a he's a guy he can't go to gym class yeah he's a little weird looking dude no one would think he's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> so what is his backstory? Was he like an evil genius or something? But he's not that smart. So maybe it's just again they use the mist too. Okay. So when what was the mist cover story? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Like first day of school for Grover, what did teachers already think of him? <laughs> I don't... Yeah, because everybody already knows about Percy. Yeah, and I'm like sure. Nancy Boba Fett was a uh, she stole She's a klepto. She was a klepto. Yeah. So everybody has issues at this school except for Grover, who is a perfect little boy who's just weird. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. So. Come up with your own theories about Grover's rebellious past. (laughs) Yeah, in chapter 5, Percy narrates that Mr. D looks like someone who reached middle age in a trailer park. And I think that's horribly judgmental. And it shouldn't be in a children's book. That is. It's not really a question. It's just a statement. That's horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> like who writes that? It's just, I feel like that was a really big oversight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to do with any kind of plot. I just have some questions about the anatomy of centaurs. <laughs> So, uh, Chiron eats, or is all like, oh, I simply adore chocolate. Like, oh, I want to eat, like, he wants to have uh, s'mores or whatever at the campfire tonight. And my question is, horses cannot eat chocolate. I googled it, and Google, as we all know, is always correct. I would not assume that horses can eat chocolate. I know, I just wanted to confirm my belief. They're like giant dogs. Yeah. The Google said, horses, like dogs. Could not give chocolate. <laughs> Do not give horses chocolate. So, if Chiron can eat chocolate, does that mean he, he is digesting food and, like, sort of doing stuff in his human half or his horse half? Maybe, like, his... So maybe it's, like, lactose intolerant. Like, he eats it even though it does bad Yeah, things. or, like, his... Because he's he, he's human from the waist up, so maybe he still has, like, his digestive tract. Yes, but he still has the horse's body, which has... Maybe um, he digests it in his human half and then... There's just disposes a of it in his horse hat. It goes whoosh down. I don't know. I've never studied centaur anatomy. All right, let's get one dissected. Oh my gosh! Figure things out. Yes. Okay, so thank you for joining us for chapters one through five. We hope that you enjoyed this. If not, just give it to yourself. We don't need to know. If you did like it, though, rate, review, subscribe, do all that fit stuff, those things. You use the internet. You know how it works. Yeah. So follow us on all the social medias once we do that. And once we do, we'll tell you. But we didn't do that today. So we're not telling you. (laughs) So figure it out. Be smart. Um, and we'll see you next time with chapters 6 through 10. So I'm Quinn. And I'm Natalie. And we'll see you next time on Floor 600. And beware of the monsters.